the Bible teaches us about the sword of the spirit, the belt of truth. It's the armor of God that God talks about in Ephesians chapter six. I want to say thank you for coming to VBS this week. And thank you parents for letting us teach the Bible uh, to your kids and to have a good time. You know, you can have a good time and not feel guilty about it. And that's the great thing about Vacation Bible School. It's a great, awesome time. And I hope you stick around after the service. We're going to have a fellowship here. And we'll have some foods and some, you'll get to taste some of the snow cones. And I think so. I think we're having snow cones. Maybe we're not. I'm not sure. But we're having stuff. And we have some uh, finger foods and things like that. I hope you stick around for that. Enjoy a little bit of fellowship. You know, in the Bible, God has told us a lot about himself. And he also has told us about ourselves. And he wants us to be prepared for what we're going to face in the world around us. And in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, we learn about the strength that we have. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Thank you, sir. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He says, finally, my brethren, meaning that this promise applies to those who are called believers, those who are the brethren in Christ, those who are the brothers and sisters, those who have trusted Jesus, as we saw the demonstration of the gospel. We are called to be strong in the Lord. We're not called to be strong in our own selves. We're called to be strong, strong in the power of his might to put on the whole armor of God. We're going to need all of it. Why? So we can stand up against what the Bible calls the wiles or the trickery of the devil. You know, the devil is deceitful. He's wicked, but he's deceitful. He lies to us. And that's the thing about sin is that it appears good, but it's not. It looks good on the surface, but it's terrible. It can't tell you the truth or else you would never do it. Sin is deceitful and the devil is deceitful. And so we have to arm ourselves and equip ourselves with this strength from God. We have to be strong in the power of his might. Isn't it great that we're called to be strong in his might and not our own? Because he's strong and we're not. He's, he's powerful and we're not able to face this on our own. Secondly, we see the enemy we face in verses 12 and 13. If you keep reading in Ephesians 6, he says, for, or explaining why, we do not wrestle, we do not fight against flesh and blood. We don't fight against things that we can see and touch with our hands. Instead, we fight against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. He lists several things there. We'll talk about that in a moment. But then in verse 13, he says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. We have to understand our enemy. The Bible tells us that our enemy is not flesh and blood. It is instead a spiritual enemies because we can't always see the people we're fighting or the enemies or the forces we're fighting. He calls them here principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness and heavenly place. All these are spiritual beings. The Bible teaches us that even though we can't see spiritual beings, they're very real and they're there. We just can't see them with our physical eyes. Someone once said the greatest trick the devil ever played was to convince people he does not exist. And when you see the danger of the enemy all around you, when you understand the danger, you'll equip yourself appropriately. If you're not scared, if you're not aware of the danger, I shouldn't say scared, but if you're not aware of the danger, then you won't understand the necessity 
of equipping yourself. What's the reason for the equipping? Verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. You can stand. You can withstand in the evil day. And having done all you can do, you stand. You stand fast. This is defensive posture of being able to take it and not back down. So what's the armor we receive? So let's look at this armor, verses 14 through 17. We're just going to take a couple minutes here. Bear with me. Verse 14, he says, stand therefore, having your having girded your waist with truth. Here's some fun language. Gird your waist. I haven't, waist. I haven't, used, my, I haven't used the word gird in a long time. To gird. Gird yourself. In fact, you parents, you should try this with your kids when they're waking up in the morning. Son, gird yourself. Doesn't that sound so much more dignified than get dressed? Gird yourself. You should do that. Gir- girding yourself just means that you, ra- you, you, you bind it. It's like, it's like you put on a belt. And, and you have to understand that in the ancient days, in the ancient days, the days when, this Bible, when the Bible was written, when someone would gird a belt, what they would do is they would call girding their loins. Have you ever heard that phrase before? Gird up your loins? It's a, it's a similar idea. The guys would have, um, instead of having pants like I wear now, um, they might have kind of a, a, a robe. And what they would do with this robe is they would, they would gather the bottom of the robe and they would shove it into their belt, effectively making it so they have shorts on, Right? So they could move more nimbly and be able to, to be able to attack, to be able to run. And so if you were going to move, you were going to do something, you would gird up your loins, you would gird yourself. And here he says, gird yourself with this belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Verse 15, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith with which you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and taking the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Here we go. The waist belt of truth. It's like something that wraps around you. The truth allows you to be nimble when danger comes. You understand the truth. Jesus says the truth is important. In fact, in Isaiah 11.5, the Bible tells us that God is described as righteousness shall be the belt of his loins faithfulness, the belt of his waist. And here we are to take that righteousness of God and gird it about ourselves. He also says we're to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, what does a breast, breastplate do? It's like a Kevlar vest, all right? It protects your vital organs. You, you protect yourself with that breastplate so that if there's an arrow or if there's a sword, it cannot pierce your heart. It's protective. The breastplate of righteousness is not your righteousness, because this is the righteousness that comes from God. In fact, in Isaiah 59, it says, for he has put on a righteousness as a breastplate. God has done this. And a helmet of salvation on his head. He has put on garments of vengeance for clothing. He was clad with zeal as a cloak. God clothes himself with his righteousness. And when we put on a breastplate of righteousness, we're not putting on good works of our own doing. We're putting on the righteousness that God supplies. It protects us. It protects our vital organs. Your feet are wearing shoes shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In other words, we are ready for combat. We are standing in the battle given by the gospel of peace. Isn't this interesting that the Bible says we will war, we are battled for war, but the gospel is a gospel of what? Peace. It's tremendous. In fact, these shoes that the Roman soldiers had, they were kind of like cleats today. Have you ever seen, you know, you ever seen the old golf cleats that people would wear? They had the, the spikes on the bottom when they would walk across the concrete to go, you know what I'm talking about? That's kind of what these guys would do. The Roman soldiers, they wore boots and they would put nails in their shoes so they could stand firm in the ground and they could stand up against the pressure of people coming against them. And that's how they would stand firm with these feet that were shod with these shoes. 
And the Bible describes the gospel as this good footing that allows us to have mobility to go and to spread the good news. In fact, in Isaiah 52, 7, he says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings good tidings of glad things, who proclaims salvation, the shield of faith. What's the purpose of the shield of faith? It quenches the fiery darts. What's a dart? Some of you are thinking that little game you play, right? Downstairs. We used to have a dart board in our house. We used to take darts and throw them at things, and we weren't allowed to do that after a little while, right? Fiery darts are not little darts. We're talking about arrows. We're talking about weapons of war that were burning, Now, a shield does not just conceal you. A shield protects you. I want you to imagine for just a second, if you had to protect yourself today, if you had to shield yourself today, maybe if you used an umbrella. You might have, I have an umbrella in my truck right now. Let's say you take an umbrella out and you use it to protect yourself. No one can see you. No one can throw a water balloon at you. But if they shot a fiery dart at you, what's happening to that umbrella? It's getting disintegrated. I saw a hand. I see that hand. Yes, sir. It's getting disintegrated, and you're going to get hit. But the thing about a shield is a shield protects from the fiery darts of the wicked one. We are told that the the wicked one, the devil himself, is throwing these fiery darts from you. And God describes himself throughout the Bible as our shield. Did you know that? In fact, in Genesis 15, the Bible tells us that God tells Abraham, I am your shield. God is our shield. The shield of faith. Lastly, the helmet, or not lastly, but the helmet of salvation. We already saw that reference. What's so important about a helmet? Well, you know, a helmet will protect your head, which is one of the most important things to be protected. I mean, you can live without an arm. In fact, my sister, her husband, um, or I should say my sister's father-in-law, so her husband's dad, is, it, it does not have one of his arms. It was lost in an accident. It was lost in a, in a farming accident. I think it was a farming accident or a machine accident or something like that. And he lost his arm. And so, and so he can live without one arm. A lot of people live without one arm. Some people, I met a guy, Bill Horsfall has a friend, and he has a one leg. And he has a prosthetic on the other leg. He can still walk around, but he has one leg. You can live without one leg. Can you live without your head? No. You know, it's very important that you have your hands and you have your legs and you have your feet But you can live without your arm, but you can't live without your head, which is why the helmet is so important. We must have a helmet of salvation. Salvation is so important that God saves us. It's the most important thing. And all these defensive weapons, you have the breastplate, you have this shield, you have the helmet of salvation, you have all these defensive things that are meant to stop bad things from coming. The next one is the only offensive weapon we have. What is the offensive weapon? The sword of the spirit, which is? The word of God, the sword of the spirit. With the sword, it's where you stab and what you cut with. The spirit gives the sword. It's the sword of the spirit. It belongs to the spirit. The sword is used by the individual to advance the truth. Isaiah 11.4, again with Isaiah, he says, And with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth, this is Christ, shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips, he shall slay the wicked. It's the word of God, the most powerful thing in the world. God's word can cut down even the strongest enemy. 
because it's the sword of the Spirit, and it's the Spirit who inspires the Word. And we have the written Word of God today. We are told that it is God-breathed. We're told the Spirit himself moved men, so they wrote what God would have them write providentially, perfectly. We have the Word of God given by the Spirit of God. In 1 Corinthians 2, it talks extensively about how the Spirit himself gives us illumination to that Word so we can understand it. So when you read it, the Spirit of God convicts you of the truth. We have all of this in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. It says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. You know what's interesting? The sword in the Bible, the word edge, uh, when it relates to a sword, we talk about a sword's edge. You know when the Bible would talk about a sword's edge, you know what word it would use? A sword's mouth. A sword's mouth. The mouth of the sword, you might have heard it said, because the mouth of the sword, the sword would devour, it would cut, it would destroy. And here he says, sharper than any two-edged, two-mouthed sword, because God's word speaks powerfully. It divides even to the division of soul and spirit, the joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's word convicts, and it really does, because it is powerful. God's word cuts. It is our one offensive weapon to make progress against wickedness. In the world today, we can trust God's word because it's truth. We can trust God's word. We can know God's word because it's been given to us. These are gifts for the brethren. These, these, uh, this armor of God. Now, I will say this. Out there, we have a plastic armor set. I don't know if you've seen it, but on top of the welcome desk, there is a little helmet and a breastplate and a couple pair of shoes and maybe even a sword still. I think... Some of the kids may have taken those home, some of these things home with them. They weren't supposed to. But if you see those at your house, don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. I'm just saying this, that if you go out there and you were to try to fight a battle with those plastic weapons, you would die because those weapons aren't meant for true battle. Similarly, if we try to fashion for ourselves our own weapons, it won't work. I challenge you today, would you come to Christ, understand that he is the one who can give spiritual battles or give spiritual weapons for spiritual battles, He's the only one. He's the only one because these are his gifts to us. You won't be able to use them without the wisdom of God, and you won't be able to create these weapons on your own either. It's been a wonderful week of Vacation Bible Schools because we learned so much about God. We've learned so much about his word. We've, we've reviewed things. We've learned new things. But I hope that this week you've been challenged to face the spiritual battles in this world like you're supposed to with the spiritual weapons that God has given us. And I want to challenge you, parents, if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you know you've been sending kids to VBS and they've had a great time, but maybe you've never personally trusted Christ. It's not enough to grow up in a Christian home. You know, growing up in a Christian home or with Christian parents who love Jesus, that doesn't make you a Christian. You have to come to the moment in your personal life when you recognize that you're a sinner destined for hell who needs someone to save them, who needs a Savior who will save them from your sins, save you from your sins. You need to come to that realization. You need to admit that you are the sinner. And by believing in Jesus Christ alone and having trust in his name, you can have redemption. You can have forgiveness. You can be called a child of God. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. The Bible teaches us very clearly how we can know that. And I would love to talk with you or share the gospel with you or or team you up with somebody who can sit down with the Bible and open it and show you from the Bible how you can know for certain that you have a relationship with God. Because it would be wonderful if you could have that walk with God too. Why don't we stand together? We're going to close in prayer, and I'm going to bless the food because we have some food uh, afterwards today, and I, I want to just thank you all for coming. I hope you've had a great night, and we'll close with prayer and be dismissed. 
And if you're a guest here, if you're, if you're never been here before, or if you're a parent of a VBS kid, we want you to go straight to the front of the line, okay? You're in front of the line. You're our guest tonight, and we're so thankful you're here. And I think that the weather has cleared out a little bit. Are we, are we okay to go outside? Do you all know? Mike's going to check. If it's, if it's not raining, we're good. Yes, Drew? It's inside. We're all inside. Okay. All right. But I think if you want to go outside, nobody's going to stop you. <laughs> okay. Why don't we pray? Father, we want to praise you and thank you for a wonderful week. Thank you, Lord, so much for your word that gives us what we need to know and how we need to live. And I pray, God, that you would continue to work in our lives after this week. I thank you for each and every person who came and served. Thank you for the kids who came and enjoyed their time here and for their willingness to learn verses and to get God's word in their heart and to learn about you and to understand your truth and those who gave their lives to you. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we want to bless this food that we're going to partake of. I pray it would be a wonderful fellowship time as we now are dismissed. I pray, Lord, your blessing with each and every family as we leave. And I pray that you would help us to know you better every day. In Jesus' name, amen.